for everything oh, for everything indie for everything cults it's the blue horseshoe now. now here's your host george bremer and ryan hickey Welcome, Colts fans, this live edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. And just moments ago, George, you and I were talking, and I figured there's no other way to say, no better way to introduce this positive. Colts lose 19-10. They get swept by the Titans yet again. But Sunday felt like, or earlier today, just felt like Groundhog Day. Same issues all over again. And for the offensive optimism we saw last week against the Jaguars, boy, oh boy, was that wiped away and wiped away very quickly here. You are in a closet in the Nissan Stadium press box. How are we doing, Georgia? And what was just what is your surprise level, I guess, of seeing kind of things go back to the same old, same old for most of the season for the Colts offense? I'm sadly not that surprised because, you know, we talked about it last week. How sustainable was this? I think they schemed around the offensive line for a week. Tennessee kind of watched that tape. They knew it was coming. They were ready for it. And you can only scheme around the offensive line support play so long. I mean, that that's why we're living in Groundhog Day. I mean, all roads lead back to that one spot. Um, it's frustrating. It, it's, you know, it, it makes for not a great entertaining thing for us to talk about because it's the same thing week after week after week. Um, you know, I wish I was more surprised, honestly. But I think we're just at a point where um, – this is going to be a very inconsistent at best offense. And, you know, that, that's where we are. There's so much to get into here. Colts fans, thanks for joining us right here on this live edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. We have, is it time to consider a, a head coaching, you know, uh, change with, with Frank Reich after yet another offensive struggle? We'll talk about Matt Ryan, his awful, awful, awful performance along with the offensive line. A big time wasted defensive effort where they shut out the Titans from the end zone. At least the only touch on this score, obviously, was on that pick six, Matt Ryan. And yet again, the AFC South dreams of winning the division go right down the drain with yet another season sweep from the Tennessee Titans. But like you said, George, there's no else to start with right now. The, the biggest issue for this Colts offense has been twofold. It's been turnovers, and it's been bad offensive line play. They go hand-in-hand hand together. We talked about in the preview pod on, on Friday's edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod about how the Colts need to be a pass-first team again, especially when you're talking about going up against the worst pass defense in all of the NFL. Titans are 32nd out of 32 teams when it comes to stopping the pass. They were, to their credit, tried to be a pass-first team. It was you know 44 passing attempts compared to just 17 runs. But in the end, George, we're looking at an offense that scored one touchdown, 10 points, and three more turnovers that that proved costly. Matt Ryan was under siege all day long. We both should have known better. And I'll at least speak myself, kind of saying, all right, you saw what they did last week in Jacksonville. This maybe could be repeatable. This could be how this Colts offense is supposed to look going forward. But shame on me, especially for thinking that what they did last week was repeatable, especially when we have yet to see this Colts offense, let alone the whole team have you know put two good quarters together or two good halves together, let alone two good games in a row. That was foolish for even thinking that was a possibility on Sunday because, boy, oh, boy, we learned and learned quickly. It was not the case. Yeah, you know, I feel the same way. You know, I bought into it. I thought, okay, they've, they've unlocked something. They're going to at least have this quick passing game. It should help things out. But the thing that I didn't count on and I should have is Mike Vrabel, you know, expecting that. I mean, they came out. They knew it was going to happen. They played tight press coverage. They, they made good, clean tackles, and they made the Colts take the long way. And, and once again, the Colts self-destructed. And, and that's what you see 
with this football team again and again. If the defense just keeps everything in front of them and makes good, clean tackles, this offense is more likely to self-destruct than it is to find the end zone. And, and you know, it, it's the same thing week after week after week. Um, I think the stat that we probably didn't pay enough attention to last week that really came through this week, even though there were no sacks on those 58 dropbacks, which is still an incredible number, there were six quarterback hits. They were still getting to Matt Ryan. Even the game-winning touchdown, you know, he was hit. I uh, had to work through that to, to get the ball out. There's just not enough going on up front to trust, and and it's leading to – and I, I saw some people during the game on Twitter saying, why don't they run under center? And you saw that for the first five weeks. I think that's a self <laughs> – yeah. I think that's a self-evident answer. They don't run under center because they can't. They're getting no push with this offensive line. They're getting very little protection with this offensive line. And it boils down to two things. They can't protect the quarterback, and as a result, the quarterback can't protect the football. And it's really it's more a wonder that they're 3-3-1, three, three and one, that, that they've won three games like this than it is that, that you saw the regression that, that happened today. I'm curious your thoughts because you were obviously live in person watching this game. So for me watching on TV, I felt for the first time this year, especially in this game, Matt Ryan, I don't want to say he was playing scared. It's unfair, but looked skittish to me where he kind of was dropping back and you could almost kind of tell he had no faith in protection. And I think that pick six that he threw where he just basically got the snap. And to me, it felt like just blindly threw the ball to the flat and, Harris Campbell was not they were they were not on the same page. That was just one of those Matt Ryan goes, all right, I know that you know there's gonna be a free rusher, and they're not gonna pick it up. I'm just getting rid of this ball, and it's either gonna, you know, hopefully Paris Campbell knows. If not, I'm just I just gotta get rid of it. And it felt like anytime he was dropping back, there's always, you know, him falling back. He wasn't stepping into his throws. He didn't have any sort of confidence in the offense line to protect him. We saw it a little bit earlier in the season. But now when you're talking about seven games worth of evidence where you have where you get sacked three times and hit ten times. In this game, to me, it felt like, again, watching from TV, it felt like this was the first time Matt Ryan truly felt skittish and truly did not trust his offensive line to protect him in this game. Did you get kind of the same sense? I, I think it, it is similar to what, what we've seen for six out of the seven weeks. I mean, he was under pressure almost the whole game. There were a couple of times he stepped up and did a really good job. A lot of times he stepped up and tried to get away from pressure only to run into more pressure because there was just that many guys in the backfield. Um you know, I, I don't think it was any different than, you know, the first time they played Tennessee or, you know, the Kansas City game's probably the one outlier. Maybe it's five out of seven, I should say. I think the Kansas City game, he had a little bit more poise and and, and seemed to be able to stand in there a little bit longer. Um, but honestly, you know, the, the one thing you notice is that the longer any of these plays take, the more likely the outcome is to be negative. You know, if, if this if he's in the pocket for more than three seconds, bad things tend to happen and whether that's a sack or whether it's a, a turnover. Um, but it, you know, a lot of it comes down to, this has always been a timing and rhythm offense. That's what Frank Reich runs. And when you're not getting the play blocked up the way it's designed. Yeah. I think the quarterback's going to look skittish because the pressure's coming way sooner than it should. And you know, the answers that he has built in the places he's supposed to, to step up into to, to give him some breathing room aren't there. So yeah, it goes back to, I, I hate to be a broken record, but it all comes back to the same place. They've tried a hundred different combinations. They've tried going up tempo. Now they've tried everything I think that you can think of. And this offensive line just can't consistently hold up from one play to the next. We'll get to Matt Ryan specifically in his two interceptions here in a second, but you're right. It does start with the five guys in front of him that were supposed to protect him. Another bad game. They can mention just, 
offline is all again, all five Quinn Nelson, you know, who's supposed to be one of the best, just flat out football players in the NFL. Again, whether it's Danico Autry getting them, whether it's Jeffrey Simmons getting them. I know they're, you know, very talented players, but holding calls, just getting beat. It was ugly yet again for this Colts offensive line. Like what else is it? Let me ask you this, George. At what point do you just gotta look at yourself and say, "Look, we gotta make a change out of the offensive line coach." So, like, we just cannot keep running this back because I feel like even just through seven weeks, this feels like the definition of insanity. If the Colts try to run back this same unit with the same guy coaching them for uh, an eighth game next week, to me, that's where the the change on the staff that makes the most sense. I mean, you've tried everything else. You've tried the tempo. You've tried moving around the pieces on the line, and I don't know if it'll make a difference. But I think you're at a point now where change up the scheme, change up the way they're being coached, you know, put a different voice in their, in their head. Um, I, I don't know. I, nothing's going to change. I think consistently uh, until this offensive line is able to, to put on a better performance. You saw them scheme around it against Jacksonville. Uh, they tried again today and Tennessee had an answer for that. I think if you face a team like maybe Washington next week, maybe they're not as good a tackling team as Tennessee is. You can get away with more of this. You can break some more tackles and get some big plays that way. Maybe you can take some more risks downfield, some more jump ball type, you know, plays to, to Michael Pittman Jr., those kind of things. But it, to me, they're they're all, you know, putting lipstick on a pig at this point. You, you can do a lot of things cosmetically to try to change the outcome. But until you the basis of your of your offense is that line, you know, keeping a clean pocket. And I thought it was interesting. Frank Reich said after the game, he felt like the pocket was pretty clean today. I think it'll be interesting if he feels that same way after he watches tape. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna tell us, but I I don't agree with him on that from my vantage point. I there were a couple plays, sure, there were a couple right. plays where there was a clean pocket, uh, but I, you know it'll be interesting to see what the pressure stats were. But you just said ten hits on forty four dropbacks, so right right there it's going to be close to twenty five percent pressure rate. He really said that in the post game press guys. He thought there was some you know the pocket was for the most part clean throughout the game. He said he thought there were some clean pockets today. I don't know if he said for the most part, but oh, okay, uh, so I was like, there know, he, were a few. Like that fourth mm -hmm. down conversion that was to Michael Pittman Jr. I think it was like 10, 15 yard passing. He had time to step up. Like there were in glimpses, but if we're talking about now trying to highlight glimpses out of this high speed offensive line, it's like yep. it's just almost like a losing battle at that point. Like you're admitting defeat, and I, and that's the thing. I mean, I, that's why it feels like groundhog day because you come back every week. We say the same thing. Well. If they have a little more time in the pocket, the receivers, it, the most astounding thing to me is the receivers are doing their job. They have a different guy step up every week. This was Paris Campbell's day. I think yeah. uh, 10 catches for 70 yards for him, both career highs uh, for the second straight week for him. And every week that's happening every week. There's a, there's a guy who steps up and you say, Hey, the, great job by Alec Pierce. Great job by Jelani Woods. Great job by Mo Alley Cox. You know, there's, there's a different guy stepping up in the passing game. Coming into the year, that's where we thought the problem was going to be. Can these guys get open? Can these guys make plays? They're doing their job. I think there's been a couple times. I think if you go back through the tape and really look at it closely, there were a couple times today where they probably didn't get open and there was good protection. But there's far more times where the line just didn't give them time to even get anything going. And that, to me, is the most astounding thing. If, if I had made a list back in August of 100 ways this season could go wrong, I, I don't know where the offensive line would have been, but it wouldn't have been in the top 75. I would totally agree. And let me ask you this, George, because at least for me, I still think Quinn Nelson's a really good player. I still have faith that Ryan Kelly can get back to that Pro Bowl level we have seen and Braden Smith kind of right there as well. 
I don't think these guys just forgot to play football or just we've seen the best of them like, and the best days are behind them. I still think they're they're good and whether, again, it's just a new voice in their ear, a new way to teach the technique that they, you know, um, that they are getting taught right now. I just think that is a change that's needed more than overhauling the actual players themselves. Are you still at a point where you believe in the players uh, for the most part? Or is it kind of like, do we have to start questioning do they make a mistake paying Quinn Nelson? Is it time to start exploring a, you know, a new center uh, potential next year? Like, where are you at in terms of just the skill level of some of the foundational pieces of that offensive line? Yeah, it's hard to say because things are going so poorly right now that it's hard to really point your finger at exactly what the cause is. Uh, but my feeling is, you know, overall, they paid these guys for a reason. We've seen much better play from all of them than we've seen this year. I think you know, one thing I thought last year, last week would do, and it didn't happen, is that they would get a little bit of positivity. That's one of the things I thought was happening. I, I remember when Dave Guglielmo came in in, in 2017 in, or in 2018, and the offensive line turned around for the first time because, you know, for years it, it was the issue here. And one of the things that he was talking about is that when he came in here, those guys always had their head down. They were always thinking about the next negative thing that could happen, and they kind of perked up you know they got some success they had that 200 yard rushing game against buffalo they followed that up with the 200 yard rushing day against the raiders they started to get some confidence and you saw that last for three years really with this team and i feel like it's gone the other way i feel like there's a lot of negativity now i think it's breeding more negativity they're feeling like something bad's gonna happen they're not gonna come out and say it but it feels like they're feeling like something bad's gonna happen on the next snap instead of putting it away and, and being ready to go and that's bleeding into I think both Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor and the reasons that they're having trouble trusting the line. I thought, you know, that that game against Jacksonville maybe would be that push they needed, set that fire underneath them. You get that positive outcome and you can build off of that. But you come back out today and it looked the same as it has really the last five times against Tennessee where the Titans just came out in the trenches and whipped this football team. And we talked about on Friday's pod. The re like if momentum is real, like can you is that a real thing that a team can carry from one half to the next and one game to the next. I said yes. And to, to going back to you, what you just said about positivity, that that should have been coming off that game over Jacksonville, a reason for the offensive line to feel good about themselves and believe, hey, we're going to go with Tennessee and we're going to push these guys around. We're going to at least protect Matt Ryan and keep him upright. And like you said, it just felt like it was like, here we go again. And like kind of once the first sack or once the first quarterback hit came, that all was undone. And all that good momentum and positivity just kind of went out the window, which again goes back to George now. Two things, uh, uh, an offensive line coach change would one, maybe, maybe provide a little spark and just kind of maybe help flush out some of that negativity. But also, too, I get you're not going to make dramatic shifts and you're not going to, you know, bring in your brand new offensive line coach you're going to have here next year. She said they make a move in season. You're not going to hire him now, right? You're going to hire him after the season. But at least if you make a change and you try something new, you can then at least maybe get an answer to what we were just talking about before. Is it the scheme or is it the players? Like, again, I think Quentin Nelson right now is a better play than what he's shown. You're on the fence, and you're probably rightfully so, but at least now if you get a different voice, a different way to teach, you can kind of start to see, okay, maybe it was just the way he's being taught, or maybe it truly is the, the player itself, and we got to, you know, evaluate and consider a change. Either way, at this point, with where this cold season is going, where you can kiss the AFC South goodbye, we'll get to that a little bit later, and you start to look at 3-3-1, three, three and one, this team not really going anywhere, you now already, it's still early, but you start to need to start to think ahead to 2023 and get answers about who is going to be here and maybe where you got to shore up some areas to make sure that this doesn't repeat itself again next season. Yeah, because as big as the quarterback question is, and, and it's going to be until they get that guy who is the franchise guy, whenever that 
you know, whenever that happens down the road. Uh, right now, the offensive line is an even bigger problem because it doesn't matter who you put under center right now. If the offensive line plays the way they have this year, no one's going to look good. And I don't even have to – that's not even like me just throwing straws out there. Look at Aaron Rodgers right now. Look at Tom Brady right now. If the offensive line is playing as poorly as the offensive line is playing, it does not matter who's under center. It's not going to look good. The results are not going to be what you want. And I agree with you. That's why I think maybe you do need to get a new scheme in here because you've got to figure out that's got to be the immediate area of focus. What can you do to get this line to a point where it's not such a liability that's costing this football, this team games? And that has to like Chris Bell has talked about building a team from the inside out, right? He wants to be strong in the trenches and build outward. Well, we have seen so far that has not been the case, and that's the biggest reason why so far, like I said, this Colts team is 3-3-1 three, three, and one, and why this offense just continues to be inept uh, game after game. It's because there's no time to throw, no time to have you know different route concepts or be explosive whatsoever because it has to be two, three-step drop, get the ball out quick, or else Matt Ryan, you know, like we've seen, is going 